You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by the Breeders' Cup. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Thanks for tuning in once again. It is another grey January morning here in TW11. Uh, it won't be long before I'll be off to Florida to take in the Pegasus World Cup. I'm sure many of you are feeling deep sympathy for me uh, for that. And during the course of the next couple of weeks, we'll be building towards that. We'll also be, of course, uh, taking stock of what's been happening and what's about to happen in Britain, Ireland and everywhere else. As far as the weekend just gone is concerned, we'll be considering the winning returns of both Davy Russell and Christoph Sumiar. We'll be casting our eye over which meetings might um, be lost to the weather over the next few days. The most important of those is Lingfield's Winter Millions. From a logistics point of view, we'll be hearing from their clerk of the course, George Hill. In terms of prestige, the most important race in Britain and Ireland over the next week is the Clarence House Chase at Ascot. I'll be hearing from trainer Joe Tizard, who's lining up one of his stars to take on the two big guns, Energumen and Edward Stone. And we'll also be casting our eye over comments made about Lom Presse, after his um, unfortunate demise in the King George, and he now will miss the remainder of the season, according to his trainer, Venetia Williams, in a press release that came out on Friday night, sending also our good wishes to Martin Harley, who survived a horrible fall in Australia. David Yates, however, joins me first of all, and we'll start, David, with the excellent racing from Ireland yesterday, from Punchestown, which featured the return of Russell, but most notably featured a horse, a mare, called Impervious, who looks to be a real star for her trainer. We'll hear from him, Colin Murphy, very shortly. But what did you make of her, first of all? Yeah, I was very impressed. Can I just say, uh, Nick, that I'm standing shoulder to shoulder with you uh, in advance of the Pegasus Gold Cup and your your trip out there. Um, but yeah, Impervious is a... Well, she's an interesting horse, but this is also an interesting human interest story as well, isn't it? Because... Colin Murphy, uh, a very popular trainer a couple of decades ago. He was pretty much the mouse that roared, wasn't he? He was a, a quietly spoken trainer, but had um, notable success on the track. Brave Inca Furious will forget that warrior who won the Supreme Novices of 2004 in the Champion Hurdle two years later. Big Zeb won a, a Queen Mother Champion Chase in 2010. And also there was a Feathered Lady who retired unbeaten after seven starts and as a broodmare, she threw Augusta Kate, of course, a grade one winner for Willie Mullins and Lee Westwood. But having trained all those winners, uh, Colin Murphy announced, and I think it's fair to say, a shock departure from the training ranks in 2016, rejoining them three years later. And in Impervious, he really has a, a standard bearer. Uh, she was good over hurdles, but she's much better over fences. She's three from three in that discipline. and um, She scored over... Uh, fences at grade two level at Cork two weeks before Christmas and then at Punchestown yesterday she defied an eight pound penalty uh, to beat Journey with me by half a length but the pair were 22 lengths clear of the third horse. As a result of that Impervious who was purchased by JP McManus after that victory at Cork two starts ago uh, she's now a nine to four shot for the the Mrs. Paddy Power Mayor's Chase on the final day of the Cheltenham Festival. And 
she's very much a horse to put Colin Murphy back in the headlines. Uh, if I put in just one negative perhaps it shows uh the uh the, the paddy power mayor's chase in a negative light that uh both impervious and allegoria de Vassi of willie mullins they're the two favorites for that race and they're both novices i would have thought that would be a race that was designed uh to attract the good mayors who are out of the uh, novice ranks and instead it just seems to be uh, giving them a run out rather than uh, than having to run in, in perhaps the turners novices chase over two and a half nine miles but that's a, that's that's one sole and fairly minor negative point she's a really uh, impressive horse and a very promising one for a very likable trainer and here he is the trainer to whom i spoke a little earlier on delighted with her you know i was a i was a massive ask um you know, she was, as I say, taken on the boys with an allowance. Um, you know, so no, it, it, it was it was a big it was a big big ask if she if she had her if she had her on well. You know, she she lost nothing in defeat, but to do what she done, you know, it's it's um it's nice to know she's still improving. You know, and she's you know she's only just gone seven, and you're you're, you're hoping she's only going to get better. I mean, we knew she was quite talented coming into this season, but. Just the way that she's improved and the relish that she's shown for, for for jumping fences this year as well. When you got her in off her break, did you think you might have something more to go to work to work with? Yeah, we were hoping. Like it's you know, I've I said before, just last year we were just stop start with her the whole year, you know, and we're only without even improving. If if we could just get a clean run with her, you know, with, with, with a lot of teething problems, that's all the worry, you know. But, you know, we've we've seemed to have them ironed out for the minute anyway. You know, so it's like I says, if 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 we can keep her in as good a form and as good a health as she's in, you know, um, she uh, and and she keeps improving. You know, she's she, yeah, she's she's one to look forward to. And and in, just in terms of raw talent, you know, you've you've marshaled a champion hurdler in Brave Inca. You've marshaled one of the best hurdling mares I've ever seen in Feathered Lady, a champion chaser in Big Zeb. In terms of just raw. Natural ability is she? Is she in that sort of bracket? Yeah, she listens. No, she's she's loads of ability. You know, she's 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 naturally talented. You know, and why everything is just so easy to her. Um, you know, but you know how how good is she? She listen, We don't know. She every 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 question we we've answered or asked her so far, she's answered. You know, and we don't like putting the gun to the side of the head at home here. You know, we kind of leave that for the for the race days um but everything she's done so far she's um you know she she, she impressed me you know, yesterday you know to, um so like i said you know it was a it was a big step up again from cork you know and, and star cork was a big step up you know so um yeah so like i keep saying you'd have to be you have to be happy with her and just for you uh, you took a little bit of time out of training and then came back in in 2019 is it is it different? Does it feel different second time round? Is it is it more satisfying in a way, or or or, or much the same? No, it's, it, it's, it isn't. It's it's nice to have the nice ones, you know, and it's it's nice to it's nice to be going run run them in the nice races, especially you know they're the you don't you don't you, you don't get to talk to you now for winning an odd ninety five <laughs> handicap during the middle of the week, so you know. So, um, yeah, you know, of, 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 of course, it's all about the big days, you know. And, it's just we've been we've been very fortunate to have a lot of nice horses along the way, and and we're very fortunate to get this lady again, and we're, we're only hoping we we can get a few more nice ones like her. And of course, everyone's playing Cheltenham Roulette at the moment. You know what race, etc. You giving giving a little bit of weight away in the mayor's race and getting weight against geldings. How how do you see that the the, the two sides of that equation? 
I'm not. I'm not really sure which. I'd, I'm, I'm guessing she'll probably get an entry for a few of them, you know. And, and um, I'm not really worried which way she goes, you know. If we, if we can, if we can get her in as good a health going there, I, I think she'll have a massive chance in either of the races, you know. Um, I think we'll, we'll have it well. We'll have it well thought out, you know. So and, and you know they'll know exactly which ways to go with her, and, and um, we'll, we'll, we'll be more than happy to, to go along with that. Yeah. So you're just happy to let let somebody take the decision out of your hands. You just get her trained up for the week. Absolutely, you know. So, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's nice, you know, to to have to have to have them in the background now. Whether you know, it, it, it'll be massive. They'll always point point you in the right way. Yeah. All right, Colm. Um, congratulations. Thanks so much for chatting to me. Not at all. Thanks, Nick. Thanks for ringing. That was Colin Murphy. David Yates, newsboy from the Daily Mirror, is still with me. Colin Murphy saying he's happy, really, to leave it up to J.P. McManus and Frank Berry Hill, just trainer. For Cheltenham, and they'll decide which race she runs in, whether it's the Turners or the Mayor's Chase. She'll have a big chance in both. Dave, there's a decision. Of course there is. We'll play Mullins Roulette, pun very much intended, with Ampere Epas, who was very impressive in the novice hurdle yesterday. He could join stable companion Fasal Vega in the Supreme Novices. He could be the stable's number one in that race, and Fasal Vega could go elsewhere, perhaps. Where would you run Ampere Epas if you owned him uh, or trained him? Right. Well, we're having this conversation rather too often for my liking with regard to the Cheltenham Festival. And I would actually go for the Ballymore because I think that Fasil Vega, as the odds-on favourite for the Supreme Novices, I'd probably rather avoid Fasil Vega uh, if I could. Um, That goes against what Willie Mullins has done with his last five winners of the um of the Moscow Fly Novice Hurdle. We go back to 2014, Votour won it, then of course uh, beat Jossis Hill in the Supreme Novices. Twelve months on, Duvan won the the um Moscow Flyer, then beat Shane's Hill in the Supreme Novices. Uh, 2016, Min won this race, was second to Altior as the 15-8 to favourite for the Supreme Novices. 2018, Get a Bird, 11th to Somerville Boy, when the 7-4 to favourite for, you guessed it, the Supreme Novices. And then, of course, uh, last March, uh, Dysart Dynamo, uh, who uh, tanked along before coming down at the third last hurdle behind Constitution Hill, both of them the nine to four joint favourites for the Supreme Novices. So um, it's a it, it's an old saw that's trotted out now and again um, in the racing media. Then that uh, trainers are creatures of habit. Well, if they are, then you can expect to see um, Ampere pass in the Supreme Novices. Uh, Champ Keeley, of course, is a Clasutton representative who is well fancied for the Ballymore Novices hurdle. Um, as if, if he were mine, I think I'd be going for the two and a half miler. You and I, of course, we're both uh, members and habitué of Palm Beach Casino in London. We're used to these terms, Ampere, a pass. They're from the roulette table for anyone who, who doesn't know. I suspect that we'll see Ampere, a pass over the longer trip on the Wednesday of the Cheltenham Festival. Uh, Davy Russell has spun the wheel a few times in his in his career, and he's quite often found himself in the in the right slot. He was back yesterday, and we'd mentioned this extensively on the podcast last week, and he wasn't the only senior jockey, flat or jumps, to make a, a notable comeback, though one was more heralded than the other and probably more celebrated than the other. Yeah, Davy Russell, it's like he's never been away, really, isn't it? Um, he retired well, a month ago uh, from a glittering career in the saddle over jumps. Uh, then, of course, 
Uh, last Sunday, Jack Kennedy suffered injury row, row once more when breaking his leg in a fall. On Wednesday, after probably 24, 48 hours of speculation that he might come back, uh, Davey Russ announced that he would indeed be returning to the saddle. And he had his first winner of his latest phase of his career when uh, riding Safureur to victory at Punchestown yesterday. That was in the second division of the maiden hurdle. So um, he's back. I think he said he'd have a, have a good blow afterwards, but I imagine that um, there weren't too many cobwebs to brush away after a month on the sideline. I, I wouldn't imagine that uh, Davy Russell would have just gone down to McDonald's every day for the last four weeks and uh, gorged himself on what he was missing during his riding career. As you say, the other uh, comeback was that of Christophe Soumion. Uh, it was on the Friday before Arc weekend, of course, uh, that uh, the Belgian was in hot water for pulling Ross Orion or elbowing. It wasn't a pull, it was an elbow. Um, uh, Ross Orion from his horse in a race at saint Cloud. Then, of course, over a dramatic 72-hour period, um, he was his actions were held up to the light. He was uh, profusely apologetic how could be any, he could be be anything else and uh, then of course his contract was annulled that contract with the Aga Khan although they left themselves open I think it's fair to say um that he still might ride for uh, the Aga Khan in 2023 after a 60-day ban many were calling for it to be uh, significantly longer than that I was quite happy with the 60 days I thought it was a stupid thing to do but not deserving of anything like a lifetime ban um Sumion was back in action at South Africa uh, last weekend. Then he rode uh, a horse who was beaten at Maidan on Friday and then at Shanti on Saturday. He was back in the winner's enclosure after riding Black Milord. As you say, uh, there would have been uh, plenty of uh, plaudits and celebration for uh, the return of Davy Russell, less so for Christophe Soumillon. But uh, we're a forgiving bunch, aren't we? We look forward to him uh, parading his ample talents once more in 2023. I do anyway. Right, big weekend for Lingfield Park Racecourse in Surrey because it's the Lingfield Winter Millions. Or is it? The rain's been relentless. We're about to get a cold snap. What's going to happen this weekend? I began by asking the clerk of the course, George Hill, what the state of play was at the track and whether they could race this afternoon. This is what he had to say. Good morning, Nick. Um, we've had rain's just uh, about stopped down this morning. We've had about uh, 9.2 mil of rain this morning and total about 70 for the last seven days last week. Um, the going is heavy with some some areas of sand and water um, in the straight. So that's the current situation where we are now. So you'd you'd struggle to get a fixture on on this afternoon. Yeah, you'd certainly struggle at the moment. Probably get to get to get two days on um, one after another type thing. Um, where at the moment now the forecast is to get drier, which from here on in. There's no more rain forecast, which is uh, which is great, but we are we are due to get colder. We're talking temperatures probably minus two, minus three for the next four nights with daytime highs of two or three. So the next challenge will be the um, the frost. Really, you, are you going to get try and get covers down? Yeah, so we've made the decision to we're covering the entire track today um, because we reckon. That is our best chance of of getting the um, get, getting the Friday on, and temperatures are due to rise up slightly then into Saturday and Sunday, which would be which would be useful. So we're covering the entire track. We have a big team out today, my team and uh, some uh, some uh, some of our 
uh, Treaders are helping us to get uh, covers down today. So we've got a big team out today covering the entire track just to... I, I don't want... I can't do much about a bit of standing water, but hopefully that will go over the next couple of days. But unsure of really how the track will react with these cold temperatures. But if we don't attempt to fleece... Um, those temperatures, the frost will just, you know, get into the ground after night two or three, you know. Yeah, and I'm sure you're desperate to save this fixture. So from your perspective, you just barrel on ahead and aim for Friday. Yeah, we're aiming to get all three days on. That's the plan, Nick. Um, you know, we've, we've spent a lot of time uh, time and effort, the whole the whole team here at Lingfield and the group, to, to make these three days what they are, which is a fantastic three mm. days of racing. Um, so four dry days even though being cold and having frost risk is the next challenge but you know we, we've got to we've got to keep trying our hardest really and if if you can't race uh either friday sunday or whatever it's complicated this just because of the way the whole thing is structured uh you know, i spoke with with mark spencer a little bit at the back end of last week is there a contingency can you pick it up and and plop it somewhere else in its entirety or not well like most fixture moves and stuff like that, nothing is ever completely simple, but we, you know, we, it's a conversation for, for, for us and Art to have with, with, with the BHA and continue to have as a, if, um, what, what options are available of whether moving a whole day or moving certain, certain races if, if we were to, to lose a day or two. Um, but it, it's hard to know at the moment what, you know, what risk there is really to Friday or Sunday until until we get this cold snap and see how the track reacts over the next over the next couple of days. But we'll certainly be trying everything we can to first of all get the three days on, but also to work with the BHA and see if we can find a solution or an alternative date or a transfer of certain races. Uh, so it would be fair to say that it, it is not a, it, there even though it's an evolving picture. There is nothing. There is nothing concrete as regards where it would go if it were abandoned. No, because it's it, it, like I said. You're talking two days here. You're talking Friday and the Sunday. There's, there's, you know, we we we've got different ideas and options available, but mm. it's it's just a case of ironing those sure. out. Sure, sure. And and Saturday goes ahead. Come what may. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we've got a 240 grand card on Saturday on the All Weather as part of the All Weather Champs, and the feature race is the hundred thousand, the Talk Sport. Um, Winter Oaks, the, the Phillies race, which was with a full field of 14 last year, seems to be uh, quite popular. And hopefully, we'll have a good day and uh, you know some nice Phillies turn up on Saturday. That was the Lingfield Clark George Hill. A couple of interesting points to note there, Dave. First off, they couldn't really race today. Uh, the, the, it's going to dry up a bit, but then the cold snap's going to come. They're going to put the fleece covers down, and really, they're galloping into the unknown. I hope they can get their meeting on. If they can't, it doesn't sound as though a contingency plan is perhaps as concrete as might have been the case at the back end of last week. It's a little bit opaque at the moment. What I can tell you is if this meeting either goes elsewhere then or, or, or gets called off in its entirety or the odd race gets moved, if it is abandoned, then just abandonment policy in terms of refunds will apply. You will be able to get your money back. And if it is moved wholesale elsewhere, you'll be able to to transfer your, your ticket thereafter. But um, he's got a, a tricky hand to play, George Hill, this week. Yeah, he really has. I, I hate people who say, I told you so. But of course, uh, when this fixture was unveiled in uh, the autumn of 2021, uh, this was... Uh, 
a question that was on the lips of pretty much everyone attending uh, whichever uh, plush club it was in London. I remember I, I turned up in a cravat and they said, you can't wear that, you've got to put a tie on, uh, which was a bit of a difficulty. But it, that was one of the questions uh, that we asked, that at the end of January, would the ground at Lingfield, uh, A, would it be raceable? And if it were raceable, would it be an attractive proposition because we would surely be looking at soft stroke, heavy ground? Um, at the time, the... Uh, representatives of arena racing said that they were perfectly happy with uh the ability of the track to to stage this fixture well of course it was run on heavy ground uh last january remember that two for gold beat dashel drasher in the the featured fleur de lis chase both those horses of course operate well with lots of give in the ground and it was something of a of a of a party for the mud lovers wasn't it um and it looks like the same thing here. What, what we've got in terms of a contingency plan is a big difficulty because this was one of the few available slots that um, this could go in. And, and you could even argue that it, it, it created a gap uh, rather than just making use of one. Because, as you've mentioned, we've already got um, the Clarence House chase at Ascot on the Saturday. They very cleverly put Lingfield on the Friday and the Sunday over jumps and, and an all-weather card on the Saturday. So that seemed to dovetail and work pretty well. But if it's going to go anywhere else and at a, and a week or so later, it's going to run into other... Uh, opportunities that horses would have in order to have their last races for Cheltenham. So if it's not going to be this weekend, difficulties are going to arise. I thought there for a moment you were just going to channel your Harry Enfield and give it a, you don't want to do it like that. Um, did you say that at the at the press conference? I did. I, the, the, I, mine was one of the first hands up and uh, Martin Crudders was on the stand. I did indeed say, you don't want to do it like that. You want to do it like this. Staging at Windsor. We open the jumping track there. Linfield will be far too heavy ground. Ascot may race this weekend and they will stage the Clarence House chase if they do and there are no reported problems there. And one horse that is set to take on the big two of Edward Stone and Energumen, both of whose connections revealed their intention to run on this podcast the week before last, is Amarillo Sky, who's handled by Joe Tizard. Um, I asked him earlier on whether it was the intention to go to Ascot. Yeah, we, we will, yeah. We've confirmed this morning and, um, you know, the horse is in good nick and wherever we go for 151 you know there's, there's competitive handicaps so we just want to have a little feel where we are it's a it's a big part there's not going to be many runners um so we're just going to have a little dip our toe in and, and see where we are um if he if he half makes it the next if he gets close to him then um opens up sort of a lot of options later on he's improved a lot this season is that the sort of improvement you were you were anticipating did you always think he was a good horse or has he taken you by surprise no, we always we always held him in in high regard, and he he summered really well. He's just a bigger, stronger horse this year, and um, you know he, we just felt it felt that like this was coming. I mean, he, he needs he needs to go again, doesn't he? He's just on that, that early one fifties. He needs to improve improve again, but um, you know he doesn't mind a bit of digging the ground. He won't mind the soft ground, and um, and and he's run well around Ascot already. All right, have you got any plans for El Dorado Allen, uh, who runs in the same colours? Yeah, he'll go back to um, he'll go back to the Denman um, where he won last year. 
Um, I'm thinking I might stick some headgear on him. You know, he's, he's, he's staying for, he's staying in his races really well, which he perhaps wasn't before. But just mid race, you know, when it when it gets competitive, especially at Kempton, he, he just might need something to just help him through the sort of pain barriers, not pain barrier, but just keep a bit of bit of something on his head just to keep him keep him make Brendan's life easier. Okay, and have you thought beyond the Denman to to where you might land up at, at Cheltenham? Well, he's you know he's owned by John Romans and Terry Warner, and you know Terry's ninety this year, and you know they they they're, they're quite keen to to have a have a dip at a Gold Cup. To be perfectly honest with you, they um you know they they've got a horse that that's got a chance of of perhaps nicking a place, and um and. And and like I said, Terry Terry's older older man, but he loves his Cheltenham and and, and doesn't mind having a crack. And any Grand National entries this year? Yeah, we're going to enter the big breakaway and Fiddler on the Roof. Okay, who ran such a good race last year? How's he doing? Yeah, he's fine. Um, you know, we just we're just sort of plotting our our way with him. We had in mind the Grand National, the Grand National trial at Haydock. Um, and then and then and then perhaps straight there but um you know it was his first first ever bad run in the Coral Gold Cup and he came back and he was pretty stiff behind so he just backed off and um he's in full work now and 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 sort of like he's actually five pound lower now than what he was last year so we'll we'll try and use that and, and aim back there and the big breakaway ran a great race in the Welsh National yeah ran a blinder um ran really well with all that weight just just came up against one um you know it's horse we've always held in high regard and he's We've had a bit of hardship with him while he was growing, but and sort out his shins and things last year. But this year he's um, he hasn't got his head in front. He's ran two lovely races and he jumps and stays. So um, he's the same, you know. We'll, we'll we'll have a crack at it. Plenty of news there from Joe Tizard. Amarillo Sky to Ascot. The big breakaway and fiddler on the roof with Grand National entries. And they don't mind having a tilt at the Cheltenham Gold Cup with Eldorado Allen. And frankly, why not? Because there's some significant doubts about one or two of those at the head of the market. And one thing we learned, David Yates, over the weekend, Friday night, Venetia Williams released a press release saying Lon Presse wouldn't run in the Gold Cup and indeed was out for the season. Yes, indeed. This is something of a curious tale, isn't it? Because in the immediate aftermath of Kempton. Um, Venetia Williams was, as is often the case, reluctant to discuss uh, plans for both Royal Pagai and indeed uh, Lon Presse, which of course is her right. Um, she said that the horse was fine. Now, I spoke to Andy, uh, Andy Edwards, who of course uh, runs the, the DFA Racing Syndicate under which uh, Lon Presse races. And he said uh, the horse is stiff and sore. This is a, a, a good couple of weeks ago now. And um, he said that, that they'd have to freshen the horse up in order to uh, run uh, before running at Cheltenham. Uh, the, the most serious or the, the worst case scenario that I uh, inferred from that at the time was that Lon Presse might not have a... Uh, prep run prior to the Cheltenham Gold Cup, sponsored by Boodles, um, but that he would go there. And as you say, uh, late afternoon on Friday, Venetia Williams and DFA Racing um, uh, issued a joint statement saying that unfortunately an issue had been detected by uh, the veterinary team, which uh, stopped Lompresse from running in the Cheltenham Gold Cup and that they hope to clarify whether he would be able to run this spring from a, a, a British versus versus Irish point of view for the Cheltenham Festival. Um, he was the, the lead 
hope of the the home guard. He's just turned eight years old. I'm sure there's still a massive uh, upside to Lompresse still to come. And I hope we see him at Cheltenham as a nine-year-old in 2024. Yeah, my understanding is that Lompresse is sound. He's been walked in hand. It's a problem that will right itself, but just needs a little bit of time. Nothing serious, um, but the science has uh, has told uh, Andy Edwards and Venetia Williams to to draw stumps for the time being, um, rather than anything more um, anecdotal about how he may or may not have been feeling during the course of the of the King George. Well, at what rate do horses mature sufficiently to hit the race course? Perhaps our preconceptions of when they should be running, for example, as mid to late season two year olds or or early three-year-olds on the flat and perhaps jumping three-year-olds and then into their four- and five-year-old seasons. Perhaps our, our preconceptions aren't backed up by the science or the reality. That's certainly the conclusion that Lambourne trainer Daniel Kubler has come to. Dan trains a, a string very successfully with wife Claire. They come off the back of their best season numerically and in terms of strike rate. And uh, and he's always thinking about the game and joins me now. Dan, what did your, your research um, lead you to, to conclude? Yeah, um, you know, I think there's a lot of data and information out there, and um, it was sort of off the back of a, a comment that one someone covering racing made. The, it was about a three-year-old filly that you know was owed, must have met a bump in a road to only be making her debut in January, and I, um, I think it's just important for us to you know be realistic about when when most horses do reach the race course, and and you know there's there's various studies, but. Um, the statistics would say that you know a lot of horses don't reach the race courses two-year-olds on the flat um you know it's probably depending which study you look at around about 50 percent or slightly under um so you know it's quite a usual thing but we tend to go in a bit more in depth and and you can look at the genetic makeup of horses and there's certain genetic markers that you know predispose certain horses to be more precocious than others which you know i suppose is all information we know but what these markers allow us to do is is quantify the likelihood and it's about building one uh, a realistic training program and expectations for owners so that we can you know have the horse peaking at the right moment and win but you know also with a horse that isn't likely to be reaching its physical peak um, or, or towards its physical peak until it's a three-year-old. Is there much point in it doing lots of lots of work now as a two-year-old when perhaps we can wait until a bit later in the season to, to allow it to mature and start developing it and conditioning it more more at that point? Um, so yeah, there's lots of factors that we that we look at when we're when we're evaluating a horse, and uh, the genetic markers is one of them. And um, just to very quickly explain that, it's the Plus Vital Genome Test, and that basically breaks horses into three groups depending on their genetics. And what they found with their research is that. Um, they looked at when 50% of each group had made the track. So they have, let's call them the precocious horses, and they take around, on average, 50% of them would have made the track within 30 months of their birth date um, towards the, you know, the, the latest maturing group, which you know are your more staying types, as you would expect. You know, the, the typical average is around 35 months uh, from their birth date. So you know, we've got. And, and I think it's important as well. We, we talk about two-year-olds, but, you know, if you break it down and think about it in terms of months, a January foal now, a two-year-old now who was born in January is 24 months old, whereas, a you know, one that was born in April, May is, is obviously a, a fair a fair bit younger at this stage. And, and that, that's quite a big difference. You know, you're sort of talking 18, 19 months potentially for some horses. So, 
you know, some will be physically ready to carry riders and, and obviously others aren't. And, you know, it's it's very easy to lump them all into one bracket and, and, and train them that way. And it's important, I think, to differentiate them out. And that's something we try and do so that we're, you know, we can be successful with horses later on. And, you know, all horses, physic- you know, physically, they don't reach their full maturity until they're nearly five years old. Um and there's a really interesting little study from done that was done in Japan. So, you know, obviously slightly different uh, training, you know, racing surfaces and things. But this guy looked at the actual, you know, average speed that horses were traveling during the races and found that, you know, most of them reached their peak at around four and a half years of age. So, you know, there's always room for improvement. And, you know, much like children all develop at different rates, so do horses. And there's all sorts of reasons for those variations. So we shouldn't just conclude, just because a horse hasn't run at two, that it's necessarily any more late maturing than its genetic um, type suggests it should be. No, exactly. And, you know, I think, you know, if we're getting towards the back end of the three-year-old career with a flat horse, there probably is a reason why it hasn't run. But I don't think it's, um, you know, I think particularly with, you know, a lot of people would like to wait for the turf. So we might have had horses that for example, that could be running now, but you know, we've said to the owners, look, you know, do you want to do you want to run on the all weather in the winter, or would you rather just wait until the the turf and and we can have a full, you know, full season on the turf? Because you know, the other thing with starting a horse off now in January is, is it still going to be performing in October? That's quite a long run to keep it on the go the whole time, and at some point, it's probably going to need a bit of a freshen up and a break. And you know, the, the you know, for a lot of people owning horses. Yes, it's about winning, winning and things, but it's also about you know having some good days out and having a lot of fun in that way. And and so you know you do need to campaign a horse to an extent around that at times. Um, and you know if we still haven't won a race and we have to go and win a bad run on the all weather, if it's that type of horse, well, we can do that next winter at the, the back end after we've <laughs> explored the other opportunities. Very interesting thoughts from Dan Kubler, who trains in Lambourne with his wife, Claire, and is one of the most forward-thinking trainers in the sport. My thanks to him and to all my guests today. David Yates rejoins me. Before I get your tip for today, Dave, uh, our good wishes go out to Martin Harley, who has been going great guns on the on the Gold Coast in Australia and then suffered a, a really horrible fall last week, from which he's very, very lucky to have to have got up. Um, and and is, he's broken c0 and c1 which are a very very serious neck break but i think he's going to be he's going to make a recovery yeah thank goodness for that as you say martin harley he moved to australia in november and he's been riding with considerable success on the gold coast there in uh, queensland uh the fall came at doom ben uh where he came down in a six furlong maiden, and as you say, there are uh, those fractures, and we, we wish him the best. So it, it um, he was always a, uh, I thought, a, a very easy person to deal with when he raced here, and it, things had started going very well in Australia. So uh, he gets our best wishes to make a, a comeback and continue where he left off. And can you continue where you left off by giving me a, a winner this afternoon? Well, I hope I don't continue where I left off because the last one lost. We're going uh, to the last race at Wolverhampton, the 7.30 race, uh, Roscioli, uh, who is the top weight. He ran with great promise after wind surgery at Dunstall Park four days before Christmas. Uh, he had a pretty barren time of it in 2022, but I hope he can start 2023 on a different note altogether. Andrew Balding's team going exceptionally well. 7.30 race at Wolverhampton, selection number one, the top weight, Roscioli. OK, that was Monday, January the 16th. David, thank you very much. We'll be back to do it all over again tomorrow. Bye-bye. <music> 
you've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary.